QP Nation, QP Sports Exchange is back on the air. It's your host, Vince. And on today's show, we have some Becky Hammond news. We have some UCLA news, which is good for me. And we're going to have some news on Kentucky Wildcat basketball as well. Um, some some kind of sad news out of there. We got hashtag takes. And my boy Kyler Copeland is going to be in on that. So I can't wait for that. And we have some NBA trade wins. It's a new segment on the show. I hope you guys enjoy it. And then we have some news out of Memphis. And it's in regarding Penny Hardaway and the legend that he got to join his staff. So that's what's on the show for today. Quick network news update. Um, we've been talking about additions to the network. There are several. Um, we'll be open, giving people information on that now. All right. So if you are a gamer, fear or not, question point pod network will have a gamer. My guy, Zach, is coming on. He is a friend of Nico Miatello, and uh, that guy is going to be great for the network. So I just want to welcome him now to the family. Also, you heard the other family member last week, Tuesday, NBA Draft Preview Special. Kendall is also on board, so... We got some really exciting news with that. And then there is one other that has joined the network. And I will have to hold on to that for a second because we haven't got everything pulled together. But I would say check out my Twitter feed and Instagram feed on Wednesday because I have a wild boy coming to the network. He real strong. And you guys are going to love the flavor that he's bringing. And he's out of the ATL. That's right, Atlanta. I got one of yours coming to the network. So you know I'm going to keep it real dirty south on that situation. All right? So now we're going to talk about a couple things. And then we're going to get on to this podcast. As you know, I am a UCLA fan through and through. Eight clap all day. And the news broke on Instagram that Johnny Juzang is coming back to UCLA. This should make UCLA one of the favorites to win the whole thing next year. They're so deep. They're so loaded. So I'm excited about that. Now, this is what I will tell you about Johnny Juzang coming back. He was projected as a mid-second round pick. Um, They gave him some vital information that he's going to need to kind of steady his game. And I have a scouting report here. I talked to one scout. He let me know what was going on. And this is what the NBA brass is thinking. So these are some of the weaknesses that they were talking about, and I'll kind of maybe have some pushback on a couple. 
the first thing that was said is that it was small sample size. Okay, he was electric in attorney, but they want to see it long term. They want to see how Johnny Juzang handles being scouted and being the primary focus of attention of a defense. They called him a streaky shooter. They say he struggles to create his own shot. I'm going to have pushback on that. Okay, I believe that he showed more, not just in the tournament. Go back to the Pac-12 tournament and go back to the last five games of the of the season before the Mar- March Madness started. Um, I don't think that that is the case. I think he will actually be able to show that pretty early that he does not struggle off the bounce. Is he Kyrie Irving? No. Is he... Um, Someone like James Harden? No. But if you want him to pump fake, ball fake, and then take the ball to the hole or take the ball to the mid-range, stop on a dime, and rise up from 15, 12 to 15 feet, he can do that. So I have a little pushback on that. And then they said that, He may have shot selection issues. I don't think you'll see that with Mick Cronin's offense. If you know anything about Mick Cronin, he values possessions, and that guy hates turnovers. And what happens with that is that you end up on the bench. And with UCLA being so loaded next year, with the incoming freshman of Peyton Watson, who was in the – under-19 national team. Shouts out to Peyton Washington uh, Watson for uh, representing his country in a big way and winning over friends. So that's a real you know, feather in his cap. I don't think you'll see crazy shots from Johnny Juzang. They say he doesn't draw enough fouls. I actually agree with that. He's not an elite ball handler. I agree with that. And he can be undisciplined on D. So these are the things that the scout said. A lot of it's true, right? A lot of things that he has to polish up. But memo to Johnny Juzang. First of all, we are so glad to have you back. As a UCLA fan, I'm really excited about that. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to go out there and prove all your detractors wrong. And show them that you belong in the first round, that you are a a real talent, and that you can help a NBA squad sooner rather than later on that. So that's my deal. That's the opening. We're going to get to this pod shortly as far as that's concerned. One note, NBA draft preview special again tomorrow. Kendall Hall will be in the building. Nico Miatello will be in the building, and we will be breaking down the rest of the lottery. So 6 through 14, we kind of hit on Jonathan Kaminga, so we won't spend a lot of time on him unless Kendall has a really hot take, which he usually does. So stay tuned for the fireworks on that. And with that being said, let's go ahead and get 
into this pod. All right, QP Sports Exchange back on the air. It's Who Questions Monday. It's your host, Vince. We have some things to get into, and I can't do this alone. So I brought the fantasy guy. I brought the Emmanuel Quickly lover in the house, <laughs> KC, Kyler Copeland. How you doing, baby? What's going on, man? I'm happy to be here on Who Questions Monday. I hope you're doing good. I hope everyone out there is doing good, and uh, I'm ready to get into some hoops, man. All right. My man is uh he's doing he's doing spot duty right now because Nico Miotello and Kendall Hall are right now in the lab breaking down video for all of the lo- the rest of the lottery. So we're gonna have that for you guys tomorrow. Um we got some things to get to and we're gonna start it off with some uh some news. Some news that I think somewhere in there. Tyler is going to be uh, pretty interested in. So the first and foremost thing that we're going to get to today is that the Knicks are unsure on pursuing Lonzo Ball. And there might be a reason for that down the road, but we're going to get into this part right now. Um, First thing, the New York Knicks has $50 million in cap space. That's more than anybody else in the league. Um, now here's the thing that I'm kind of really kind of wondering about. You got a 23 year old Lonzo ball. Okay. So he still has a ton of upside when it comes to the defensive end. He's one of the best on on ball perimeter guys, as far as young guys out there in the league. I mean, I know Kendall Hall will tell me that Matisse Thibel is the greatest thing since sliced (laughs) bread. And all of that, I got that, bro. He's on lock. But I'm talking about somebody who can actually shoot the ball as well. So, Kendall, calm down. Don't pull your hair out. <laughs> Let it go. Breathe, breathe, breathe. All right? Um, and then it says that uh, here's the other thing that would actually work well in New York. He's not a high-volume scorer at all. And uh, sometimes he's too unselfish. Now... I understand that you want to make sure you get the right guy in New York City. I understand that you may want to spend that money elsewhere, but a 23-year-old Lonzo Ball doesn't sound like a bad idea to me. No, it doesn't sound like a terrible idea. In fact, I think out of all the teams in free agency that are going to be looking at point guards, I mean, A, the Knicks are probably going to be the most desperate with, you know, quickly still being young as much as I love them, and Derrick Rose being a free agent. So they're probably going to be the most aggressive. They have the cap space. 
I think Lonzo's a good fit on the court and in the New York market just for what he brings and who he is. I think Lonzo's a very good fit. Now, it seems to me that Lonzo would want to play in New York. I think him and Julius Randle are a really good fit. I think he's a guy that can establish that defensive culture that Tom Thibodeau has always wanted to bring to the Knicks and to every team he's ever on. Um, I think it's a really good fit. I don't know why they wouldn't be sold on Lonzo, to be honest. Well, as we go through these hashtag takes, you might have a clearer picture of what's actually going on. So we're going to move on to Cleveland real quick because we got some Colin Sexton news, okay? Colin Sexton, was there a lead guard this year? Sort of, if you want to call him that. I call him the lead gunner because my man's shot selection is not so good. All right. Um, It seems like the Cavs are, as far as the front office is concerned, it looks like they're out on Colin Sexton. They do not plan to do the rookie extension for him. Okay. Um, Some of the reasons for that shot selection, they have Darius Garland and both of them are pretty small. So they're looking to get some size in the backcourt and letting Colin Sexton go for them might be addition by subtraction, so to speak. And if they can somehow tie that guy to Kevin Love, they are going to do that in a heartbeat from what I was told. Um, The thing that is holding it all back is what is Colin Sexton's actual value? Okay. Now, there are, I would say like this, as somebody told me who was really close to that team, it's 40%, 60% on the side where we don't offer him the max on that rookie extension because they just don't believe in the player. They believe in the asset, meaning like they don't want to lose him for nothing, but they're not looking for a situation where we got this guy for another two or three years on the books for like $14, 15000000 million. Right. Um, and I feel like we knew from the moment Darius Garland was drafted to the Cavs that this pairing was kind of weird. I agree that they value the asset more than the player itself. Um, and I'm also interested to see what his trade market is. I mean, like, you look at that proposed, like, Ben Simmons deal where it was Brogdon in a first. I don't think a team gives up that much for Colin Sexton just because, you know, Simmons actually is going to give you defensive playmaking and all that. And I know we slander Ben Simmons all the time. But I think Ben Simmons probably has more trade value than Colin Sexton. And I'm here Sexton's for, a guy that, I'm here for the Ben Simmons slander, by the way. I'm here for that. <laughs> oh, I am too, yeah. I just think that Simmons' trade market is probably higher than Colin Sexton's. And it seems to me that a lot of teams – are kind of sold on the idea that Sexton is a guy that can put the ball in the basket, but that doesn't really translate to winning games for the team. And I don't know what teams would take him on. I mean, maybe a, a bad team, you know, could take him on. I can't really see a contending team wanting a guy like Colin Sexton, to be honest, especially if you have to put Kevin Love 
in the trade to, you know, make whatever salaries work and to make the Cavs happy with the deal. So it'll be interesting. I think whatever Cleveland gets for Sexton, though, it's not going to be a huge haul. I think they're just going to have to live with uh, getting rid of Sexton and not getting necessarily equal value for what he is as a player. Well, that leads us to our next thing, and I know he's been long awaited for this. I got some Emmanuel quickly news for you. Yes, sir. All right. So my my sources are telling me that Emmanuel quickly is pinned to be the starting point guard of the New York Knicks next year. All right. All right. Um, This is what I was told. He showed enough in his rookie season that they feel confident in the second-year guard out of Kentucky. Shouts out to the Wildcats and Big Blue Nation out there. Um, there is there's a massive upgrade when it comes to Alfred Payton. Well, <laughs> everybody and their mama could see that. I yeah. mean, you know, I don't know. You know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I've been scouting, you know, talent evaluating like the logo Jerry West has or whatever, but I will say this. I watched enough basketball to say that Elford Payton should have been on the bench during that playoff series against Atlanta. But here's the other news for Kyler. Kyler, there Mm -hmm. is a tie in between the Cavaliers and the Knicks. There is a thought because of the fact that they were offensively challenged last year and that Julius Randle runs kind of that point-forward deal. And Emmanuel quickly, I don't know if you know this, you might know this because you love him so much. Emmanuel quickly is 6'3", with a 6'9", wingspan. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. There are reports, there are rumblings, and there are some things that maybe, you know, I can't divulge any, you know, Trade secrets, so sort of speak, but Colin Sexton and the Knicks don't sleep on that. Don't sleep on that at all. There's a there seems to be an affinity in that front office for Colin Sexton. They believe that with Emmanuel Quickly and Julius Randle and RJ Barrett that they can do something. They would move Barrett to the three, quickly would be the point guard, but he would actually guard, you know, whoever the bigger guard is. And then you have Colin Sexton, who is kind of like the microwave guy, right? So they're trying to add more scoring punch to that starting lineup. What's your thoughts, KC? Yeah, I mean, that pairing makes a lot of sense. Um, I think the Knicks probably have. The trade package, you know, um, it's probably what Obi Toppin as the main piece of that trade with some picks and things like that. So uh, I think Sexton as just a scoring guard is a good fit. But, um, yeah, I think because I was trying to think whenever we were talking about it of a good team, Sexton to the Knicks makes a lot of sense, man. It really does. Man, I, I don't know what the infinity is for him, though. I don't. Like, I, I understand, right? I get it, but if it was me, I think I'd rather have Lonzo. That's just me. 
I understand that you need the scoring punch, but isn't Emmanuel quickly the guy that you want to give those FGAs to personally? Yeah, um, it, it's tough. I mean, I mean, Thibodeau likes his established guys. I think he's seen the context to drop 20 a game and hasn't quite seen it from quickly. And, you know, as far as, you know, shot selection, they both kind of have those shot selection issues. But I think Sexton will live with it a little more just because he's a little bit more polished with scoring. So I guess that's uh, their thought process as far as that goes. I think with the defense, if you had Lonzo, though, right, I think with the defense that he would bring, you would get easy buckets, right? So then now you can kind of unlock Lonzo because the one thing that he's really great at is in the open court, okay? Um, I understand the the appeal of Sexton, no doubt. The dude is a gunner. The dude is not afraid to put up FGAs, and he wants to get buckets. I understand what his his motives are when he when he, he's on the court. I get it. I'm just saying that if you are looking maybe to take a next step in um, doing something in the playoffs, I think I would rather have Lonzo than Sexton. I think that backcourt, even though Emmanuel quickly is has a 6'9 wingspan, I think having Lonzo with him and then kind of allowing Emmanuel quickly to kind of Get his shot selection together because I think Lonzo would put him in good positions as well as Julius Randle, you know, having another year of that playmaking forward under his belt. I just think it would be a better fit, but I I know for a fact that New York is real, real hot on Colin Sexton. So I don't know what my Knicks fans out there think about that. Listen, Nick fans, I understand that everything is blue and orange for you. All right. I understand that y'all wear y'all Timberlands with pride. All right. Y'all would like it like that. And I understand that your boy Colin Sexton is a sexy pick because you know he can get you buckets and you like his handle and all of that. But if you really want to construct your team to win, I think you might want to look at Lonzo Ball. No, yeah, yeah, I I agree. I guess the third thought process with Sexton over Lonzo is, I mean, like you said um, at the first segment with Lonzo, that like he's not a high-volume guy. He's not a guy that's really going to be taking those shots or whatever as much as Colin Sexton But because um, they were just so desperate for, for a guy that can put the ball in the basket, you know, who's going to take the last shot, you know. Um, and I'm not sold that Sexton is that guy, the, the go-to guy that you would give the ball to, but I think that they believe in sex and do that a little bit more than Lonzo. But I agree that I would rather have Lonzo than sex and if I were the Knicks. It's just so funny to me because of the fact that, you know, the Knicks have been bad for so long. Right. And it is better with the Knicks, you know, relative, you know, when they're getting into the playoffs, maybe not making deep playoff runs, but there's something more, just just a a level of energy that the Knicks provide when it comes down to meaningful games, 
playoff games, and etc. I definitely understand the allure of Colin Sexton, but I just don't want the Knicks to make a mistake that's going to set them back. And now we're in a period of another eight-year run where these guys aren't making the playoffs anymore. You know, I understand that Brooklyn has a ton of talent. I understand that they have three all potential all NBA players on their team, as far as that's concerned. And they're still a distant second to the Knicks and just the promise of something going halfway decent. Like that city was on fire for the Knicks in the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? Knicks fans were hyped, ready to go. And I just want whatever they do in this offseason, I just want it to work for them. Because I just want, you know, I guess in a sense, selfishly, content creation. I want the Knicks to be involved. I want them to be relevant. And I just don't want my boy Emmanuel quickly to only have like 12 or 13 FGAs because Colin Sexton is taking 30. All right. No, that that does make sense. It'll be really interesting to see the Knicks offseason. I think they have the most, you know, uh, potential new direction they can go. There's trades they can make. They have the pieces. They have the salary cap. They are starting to, you know, they're on an uptick. They had a disappointing playoff run. So I'm very intrigued. I think the Knicks are the team to watch in the offseason for me personally. Now, we're not going to – we're going to tease something, Kyler. This is this is what in the business, KC, we call a tease. Uh, this network has something brewing. It is uh, wrapped around the draft specifically and then mm-hmm. also – when the league year starts, the free agent frenzy, we got news coming probably in less than a week, maybe a week. We'll just go ahead and give it a week. We'll give it till next Monday. But KC, of some of the talks that we had yesterday, without giving too much trade secrets away, are you excited about that possibility and being able to do something maybe even a little more interactive with the listeners out there? Yeah, I'm super excited, man. I think that we are really expanding, not just in people, but in just the ways that we are creating this content. And um, just the, the more the more ears we can get this to, the better, I think. And so I'm very excited for what we've got coming in the, uh, in the near future. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And when we have information for you, you guys will have it. And it will be... All hands on deck. Everybody will be sending out tweets. Everybody will send out IG posts on this news. We might have to do a press release. I don't know. We might have to, you know, I don't know if anybody's going to leak it to the media, but we'll see what we got going on. But I think it will be great for the listeners. It'll, you guys will have, in a sense, more access to us than you have now. And we're trying to be real open about that. Um, KC said that yesterday he vowed that he was going to step up his uh, his social media game. He said to me, he said, listen, I did some self-scouting. You know what I'm saying? I watched some film on myself, <laughs> and I need to get better with my social media game. So that's all you can ask for. 
out of first round draft picks like KC. Now we have one other thing, KC, to get to before there's uh, some heavy news that we kind of get into because you know how we handle equality around here. But one mm-hmm. other thing, and it kind of leads into it: the Spurs backcourt are on the market. <laughs> <laughs> so both guards are on the market. So uh, Dejounte Murray and uh, Derek White—they're both on the market. Here's the thing: they both shoot under thirty-five percent from three. Okay, um, they do provide good defense. They're they're steady players. You know, what I'm saying they're I don't I don't look at that backcourt and go, that's a backcourt that can really do something in the playoffs. I don't look at that backcourt and go, that backcourt scares me. So it looks like San Antonio is trying to remake on the fly. But here's the the fly in the ointment. What are you getting back for either one of those guys? And there is also a piece of news that I'm going to drop on you right now is that the San Antonio Spurs are trying to move up in the draft. They're going to try to use that 12th pick that they have and maybe one of the guards or both of the guards, if somebody wants to take them off their hands, and try to move up. Now, I don't know how successful this would be unless you believe that DeJounte Murray, because of the two, I think that's the guy that can steadily improve and maybe get his uh, three-point shot up to a respectable 37%, you know, somewhere in there. But there's nothing about either of those guys that move the needle for me. Casey, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. They're both pretty solid players, I'd say, but nothing, you know, that's really going to change the direction of the franchise. So I think them trying to move up in the draft is smart. I think the Spurs do need to try to go into a rebuilding mode because they've been in a really weird spot ever since Kawhi left the team, really, and they've just had DeRozan and they had Lamarck Soldier for a little bit. And so they're just they're in a weird transition phase, and I think that moving up in this draft is the smart thing to do. Like you said, I don't know what the return is for one of those guards. They might just have to use them as a piece along with 12 to move up. Besides that, I'm not sure what the exact package would be and what the interest is on those guys. But I do agree that a move is probably necessary for the Spurs team to just get the get the ball rolling on this rebuild. Now, here's one thing that you and I can kind of vamp on for a second. How about this? Instead of, tra- instead of attaching them to the pick, why don't you see if you can kind of break them up, right? Almost kind of consolidate assets. Maybe you trade DeJounte Murray in a deal with, like, who needs, like, a backup point, you know, um, does – here's the thing. The Clippers need a point. I don't know if they have a first-round draft pick, right? Look for teams that are looking for guys that can be steady, give you production, good defense, right, and see if you can get like a late first rounder, maybe a multitude of second rounders or whatever the case may be. And then now you try to package that up. Now you might not get too far. You might be able to get to maybe seven. 
I wouldn't even say seven. I think eight is like the zenith. I don't I don't think late first round picks get you to like six, seven, maybe the eight, right? Because who else is in that slot? That's the other OKC slot, right? Or is that the Orlando slot? Um, sure, I don't know. It's let's find more... out. Let's see, what's the draft order? Definitely gonna be cutting this out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's see, draft order. Uh, I could have just googled it right instead of going to Bleacher Report. Nah, yeah, yeah, draft order. 2021. All right, cool. There we go. Bam. Yeah, all this is getting cut out. See, all right, here we go. All right. Yeah, that's the Orlando pick. So they have five and eight. So if Orlando, because they are super young, right? Um, bring in somebody like DeJounte Murray or Derek White might provide some stability for that team. And then maybe if you can get like a late first round as well. So Orlando will be, they still got the fifth pick. They move down to 12, pick up another first rounder or a couple second rounders. That might be able to do it. So like Dijon, so if you could do something like that or whatever, kind of break those guys up and kind of get your pick war chest together, maybe you can get up to eight. Yeah. Um that'll be that'll be interesting. There's so much to look at in this draft, there's so many teams that are just in interesting spots that I think there's going to be a lot of competition. So I think in a lot of years that move up could be done, but I feel like there's going to be so many situations of teams vying for that, that it will be tough and maybe they won't have the best offer. But I do think they should at least make an attempt to do what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, and even if it's not for this year, right? If you can get like a late first round pick for next year, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of just keep on obtaining assets, keep on just building assets up. Maybe that'll put you in a situation that now you can pull the trigger to move up a little bit. So you don't have to actually use it right now. Now, here's the one problem with this whole deal. There is no way that Greg Popovich is going to stomach like a full-blown rebuild. That's the one That's the one sticking point. That guy is 72 years of age. He is not trying to hear that. So unless you have some deal where he's stepping down, you know, before the season starts, that's the only way that's going to get done. So I might... Even though the reports are out there that that the front office wants to move off these guys, I just don't see Pop wanting to move off these guys unless he was getting something back that was going to make him competitive and try to slide into one of those play-in slots 
for next year? Uh, I mean, yeah, Popovich can be stubborn in that sense, but I feel like he is smart enough of a basketball mind to see where the team has been the last couple seasons and say, I think we need to move in you know a direction of building up younger pieces and collecting draft picks and things like that. So I don't think he'd be as uh, as opposed to a rebuild as he would in you know let's say like three or four years ago. I think if there was ever a time for him to be accepting of it, it's now. But you never really know. So I think it'll be that's another interesting layer to this to this team for sure. And that leads us into sir. I have some Becky Hammond news. So QP Sports Exchange, uh, around three weeks ago, we had a podcast that talked about Becky Hammond maybe possibly being the first female head coach in the NBA. There were reports that she was really, really high on the list in Portland, and she was really, really high on the list in Orlando. Now, Becky has finally spoken publicly about it, and she actually took a route that was uh, a little interesting. It wasn't with ESPN. It wasn't with Fox Sports. It was actually with CNBC's Jabari Young, and basically this is what Hammond had to say. She says, I knew I was second. I knew who the Blazers wanted. And I was okay with that because in every race I've been in in my entire life, I've been playing from behind. And I'm okay with that. And that's just how it is. But at the same time, I'm not going to be ignorant to what is going on and what I'm up against. So she was referring to her WNBA days. She was an undrafted rookie. She also fought for um, better pay wages in the WNBA. And she actually took her talents to Russia to prove a point, you know, towards the back end of her career, just stating just how, you know, underpaid those talented women are in the WNBA. So shouts out to all our lady hoopers out there getting it on, getting it done right now. Um, the, the other thing is, is this, she went on to say, I'm not mad. This is a business and it's a very competitive business, but at the end of the day, throw away, yeah, throw everything out the window. If you wanted to hire me, you'll find a reason to hire me. And if you don't want to hire me, you'll also find a reason not to hire me. Once Kid was locked in at Dallas, and we know that now that Dame wanted Jason Kidd in the worst way, but because of the relationship that Jason Kidd has with Maverick's owner or governor, Mark Cuban, unfortunately that was never going to happen in, in uh, Portland. But they quickly pivoted to Chauncey Billups. So going into the interview, she knew that she was second, like going in. Okay. Um, And they still went through the process, the real process. So Casey, think about this. You go in, you come into question point five for an interview, right? 
your, you know, tell uh, like I the, I love sports. You know, this is the kind of things I've done already or whatever. And you're going through the process, right? You're meeting whoever the HR person. You're meeting like, you know, like your the person that is going to be directly in charge of you. And then they say, oh, we're going to have you meet like, you know, the the owner, you know, the decision makers. Right. So they go through all this whole process knowing that she had no shot at this job. No shot whatsoever. Now, I always say that the opportunity to be able to interview is a good thing because it's, you know, you're getting your foot in the door. I'm glad that it was out there, but now I'm starting to think that it was out there for PR reasons. It wasn't out there for the actual legitimacy of the candidacy. Because the other, the other problem with this is Orlando also had her on their short list of people they wanted to interview. But in the process of that deal, you call Penny Hardaway, who had no intentions of leaving Memphis. So you're going through all these candidates, and we heard names like Charles Lee from Milwaukee. We heard Sam Cassell from the Washington Wizards, Becky Hammond from San Antonio. We heard these names. And then all of a sudden, it's a situation where there's a rogue candidate that comes in and it's Penny Hardaway. Now, they end up with none of these people. None of these people, okay? Um, They actually are in a position. It just actually broke today. I got this news literally from... Listen, I'm going to shout out a source, but I'm going to keep it on low. You know who you are. Um, after the uh, the finals, Kyler, they are taking the assistant, Willie Green, from the Phoenix Suns, and he will be the new head coach of the Orlando Magic. So mm. my, uh, my point to this the whole thing is I'm glad that Becky Hammond got to interview. I am I'm glad that her name got out there. But I will say this. If you guys are not bringing her in as a real legit candidate that you're doing it for PR, you're doing it in a sense to say, listen, there's a lot of social inequality going on and we kind of we kind of took a bad rap because we started the season way early because we needed to make this money during the Christmas season when we sh- we know we should have started it like right 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 around Martin Luther King's birthday and that could have been the start of the season so you just needed some PR we got a real problem now for future potential ownership groups that are going to bring in Becky Hammond, uh, Carol Lawson of the Boston Celtics, or Teresa Witherspoon of the New Orleans Pelicans, let's at least have a situation where we have an open mind and some real dialogue and to see if these women 
fit your criteria for coaching an NBA team. Let's not have the dog and pony show. Okay. Let's not do that. I understand that this is a enterprise. It's a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar enterprise, but this is weak. And I thought the NBA of all the leagues would not be reduced to this. Yeah, I mean, like, you're right. A lot of these interviews with Becky Hammond seemed pretty disingenuous, to be honest. It seemed like there was for sure an ulterior motive besides looking at if Becky Hammond was going to be the coach of the team. Not to say that she's not qualified at her job. She's very qualified, and I think she's very deserving of being an NBA head coach. But it seemed like, I mean, like you said, they already had their guy, but they did the interview anyways just because, I mean, it was – it was kind of weird, and I do hope that she does get an opportunity, and I think she will very soon. I think she will get that head coaching opportunity. Um, but it, it's it's for sure a dialogue that needs to be had about these these interviews, and if people are actually looking at the qualifications for if they're the right coach for their team, or if they're going into these interviews saying, "All right, she's not the one, but we got to make sure that." We get this interview so people think we actually care about, you know, gender equality in the coaching ranks in the NBA. And so we have a good look, um, especially with a team like Portland, you know, where Portland is supposed to be a very, like, progressive team and all these things, progressive place. And they have um, – and they were hiring Chauncey Billups, who had his whole uh, backlash whenever they hired him. So they are like, okay, let's interview Becky Hammond, make it look a little better, that we actually care about the, the character – but it's 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 an unfortunate situation for sure that she hasn't been hired as as well as all the other uh, uh, potential female head coaches that are all uh, very qualified as well. So it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens with that, man. Yeah, and actually, scratch that. Willie Green is going to be the actual head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans. So Jamal Mosley is the new head coach of the Orlando Magic. And if you look at that situation, when you look at the initial candidates, Jamal Mosley was not in that. There was a big thing about Charles Lee, Becky Hammond, and a couple others. And keep in mind, again, I'll reiterate, these people brought in Penny Hardaway. Like, they went through these battery of interviews with these really high-quality assistants. Uh, I've heard tremendous things about Charles Lee. And I've heard tremendous things about Becky Hammond um, inside um, league circles. Um, Oh, by the way, shots out to our guy, David Vanterpool. He is now the lead assistant of the Brooklyn Nets. So I'm excited for him because he got a raw deal in Minnesota as well. Um, Kyler, as you know, on this program, we do home for uh, social equality. And uh, I don't know if you caught that act in the middle of the season when Minnesota decided to skip over their assistant head coach, David Vanterpool. And hire in season and not an interim guy, 
Chris Finch and signed him to a four-year deal. Now, mm-hmm. here's the thing. Chris Finch, tremendous mind offensively. Um, a lot of people say he's one of the brightest guys out there, and it was kind of a feather in their cap to get him. Okay, I get that, but it was such a bad look. I mean, even if you said, hey, Chris, we're going to hire you at the end of the season. You know, we'll go ahead and sign that deal now, but we're going to give Vanterpool the interim tag, you know, until the end of the season, you know, play out the string or whatever the case may be. So I'm really happy for uh, David Vanterpool. Um, As you know, Kyler, he had a lot to do with Dame Dollar and CJ Williams' ascent as a two really lethal guards in this league. So I'm glad to see that. So there's just some things that are going on in the NBA right now that we might have to do like some more digging on and see why these things are going on. But um, I really hope, like you said, I really hope that uh, Becky Hammond gets a legit shot at the next go around. So next year, I guess, uh, because now the positions are filling up pretty good. Um, so I'm really hoping that I would say probably within the next two to three years, we got to have a, a woman head coach. I just, I can't see. I just think the pressure will be too high for them not to do it. For sure. Yeah. And I think it will happen. I think in two to three years, maybe, you know, after this next season, to be honest, if, you know, if there is enough coaching uh, vacancies and if there's, you know, if it's actually the right situation for them and they actually like the team and they want to go there. Cause obviously if, you know, if it's not a situation they don't like and they decide, okay, I'll go to something else. But um, I think it's the, the conversation about the, the, the diversity of the, the coaching ranks in the NBA and uh, more so the lack thereof is something that should be addressed in the next couple of seasons. And I think we're, getting closer to that uh to that status of more diversity in in those regards but clearly this um this coaching hiring uh cycle in the last couple of weeks or so has shown that there are still some flaws in it and that there's still a long way to go but i think um i would be hopeful at least for the future absolutely and now we are going to turn our attention to some NBA trade wins. They blowing. They just blowing. <laughs> All right. Now, there's a lot of stuff that I do throughout the week. Okay. Uh, it seems like editing a lot of stuff is one. Um, promoting is another. But the other thing that I do is I kind of call around the league and see what is going on. And I actually have a couple today, Kyler, that I want to bring up to you that might pique your interest. So, all right. All right. So the Miami Heat have a trade package for one Jonathan Isaac of the Orlando Magic. (laughs) All right. So there's two, all right, that mm-hmm. the, the Magic are currently mulling over. A, Tyler Hero 
and two first round picks and two second round picks for Jonathan Isaac. All right. The second mm-hmm. is a sign and trade of that sharp shooting Michigan grad Duncan Robinson. And he would go to the Orlando Magics and he would come with those same two first round picks, two second round picks. That, Jonathan Isaac on the Heat is very interesting. Where, uh, like, what years are these first? Do we know? Like, his, I thought they didn't really have that many first round picks to trade. What I'm, what I'm gathering is that there is, there is something going on. I think they do have these picks pushed out, but I think there is a, there's another trade to fall on that. And I've been efforting to try to see who would actually go from Miami. I will tell you without a shadow of a doubt that Bam is not going anywhere. Okay. Well, he is one guy that you can sit there and go, no, he's not going anywhere. We can't say the same for uh, Mr. Jimmy Butler though. Mm -hmm. Uh, just saying not listen Jimmy's excellent I love Jimmy okay Jimmy to me any guy that can make himself into a superstar like come in the league late first round pick out of Marquette and turn himself into he is a self-made superstar no doubt about it absolutely but I do here there there it's not it's there's nothing set in stone all i'm saying is that there might be a pivot from the miami heat and they're not looking to uh pivot in a way where we're just we're stripping it down no they're trying to pivot to win they they want to do this kind of restructure on the fly so I'm efforting that that situation. Jimmy is beloved in Miami, and it really is going to come down to what the Godfather says. If Pat Riley says that there's a deal out there to be made to better this team for the for the long term future, but also help us now, he will do that deal. Um, I don't know where. It would go, but I think that's where the picks would come into play for uh, Isaac in Orlando. Yeah, okay, so I guess that's where the picks would come from. Um, Trading Jimmy or getting rid of Jimmy doesn't make that much sense to me just because he's so much of that Heat identity. And, you know, they I know it was the bubble that they made the finals and all that, but they did still make it. So I think they're going to try to keep it pushing you know they they had some unfortunate circumstances this year and i know jimmy didn't play that well in the playoffs and all that but i i would guess they just try to retool um jonathan isaac is a very fun thing to think about on the heat but i just don't know if that is something that i think is going to happen i feel like the heat are more so just going to make smaller moves you know just to try to retool but you never know. They could do some wild shit, and that could be completely wrong, you know? Yes, indeed. 
here's the one here's the one that I will I will throw out there. Um I won't tell you my source, but I'll say it like this. Uh there's a there's a team that is kind of devoid of a playmaker. Now Jimmy has shown that he can playmake, right? He did it in the bubble and he he really did it this year as well, right? So the two teams that kind of make sense, and I'm kind of reading the tea leaves here, are the Los Angeles Clippers and the Boston Celtics. And I'm going to tell you right Mm. now, if the Boston Celtics get in on that, I'm going to tell you right now, Jason Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown, y'all should – Y'all should go to work. <laughs> I'll let you know right now. Go to work. Jimmy ain't having it. Jimmy is not having it. And Paul yeah. Paul George better not get in his feelings. He better not get sensitive. Yeah. You know, if uh, Jimmy Butler is coming to town. So that would be the two teams I would look at. But I would also think in that situation, there would be a third team involved. That's where the picks would come from, basically. And then they would be able to go ahead and then take all that, all those resources, and then move it to Orlando's way. Now, I don't know who they would get back. I don't know if the Reggie Jackson thing is um, is real as far as that's concerned. I know that there is a couple people in that organization that believe that Reggie Jackson himself they tried to get the Reggie Jackson that we saw in the playoffs was not the Reggie Jackson that we saw in the regular season. KC, is that a fair assessment? That's absolutely a fair assessment. He was, he was different. <laughs> Man, that, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any way you can look at that and, and disagree, to be honest. So my source is telling me that uh, basically – we tried to get this guy to do this the whole year, okay? <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden in the playoffs, oh, by the way, right in front of free agency, he does what we ask him to do. So that is a source from inside the Clipper organization that I had a chat with. And... um well, we'll see, right? We'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. I know for a fact that uh, the person I talked to was not, they were happy for the success of the team, but they were not happy with in which, how they got there. I'll just say it like that. <laughs> I, I could see that for sure. I could see that for sure that they'd be frustrated with, you know, the way things shook out in these playoffs. And they should be, to be honest, they, they should be, which is, how the team has been since they got together, but uh, that's hilarious that they're like fucking now out of all the times now. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. I can tell you that I also kind of cleaned up that language because the person I talked to was really (laughs) about about Reggie Jackson. So yeah, 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 of course, of course. Now this rumor is also involving somebody who is playing right now. So, I've heard through the grapevine that the Milwaukee Bucks uh, have already started 
on retooling for next year. Would you like to hear what they're trying to do, KC? Absolutely, absolutely. The Milwaukee Bucks have seen enough, okay? They have seen enough of Drew Holiday. They have seen enough of Chris Middleton kind of what is what 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 they used to do in Star Trek? They beam them up so they like disappear, and all the particles yeah. would reappear on yeah. the ship, right? <laughs> it's pretty much what's going on with Chris Middleton. That guy off the ship, meaning in Phoenix, not so good. Last night we had a Chris Middleton signing, right? My man was kind of efficient, playing a little hard whatever the case may be. And I think the Milwaukee Bucks higher up is looking at Giannis and going, hey, man, this dude might ask for a trade. So we we better try to fix some situations. So the proposed trade is Dante DiVincenzo, Pat Connaughton, draft picks, for one, Jordan Clarkson of the Utah Jazz. Mm. Uh, well, that makes sense that Utah would trade Jordan Clarkson, uh, Jordan Clarkson for uh, for a bunch of white dudes, first of all. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and a scoring part, that makes sense. I, I think that uh, that deal makes sense. I think DiVincenzo is an asset that they like, but I don't think he's um, – I think he's expendable on the team, and I think Clarkson would be – Awesome as a scoring punch. We've seen in these playoffs, but once the bench comes in, the scoring can get kind of tough. So um, that that deal makes sense to me, man. That makes sense. Man, let me tell you something with this whole situation. First of all, Salt Lake City, don't get mad at us. Don't do it. Don't even start, (laughs) okay? You got Joe Ingles on your team. You got the, the other Bogdanovich on your squad. Yep. Listen, shouts out to our guy in Atlanta. I'm sorry. That's my <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. Bogdan Bogdanovich, that's our guy. That's QP Sports Exchange. Who questions Monday's guy? All right? Shouts out to that dude. Because that, that dude played like a man. But you got a bunch of white dudes on your squad. So I'm going <laughs> to just say this. Getting two more white dudes on your squad, mm, it seemed oh for the culture, right? For the culture, for the culture, yeah. Mm, mm. They're getting a white dude that can dunk. Yeah. Now they're doing something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I was. I was interested in this. Remember, I think you and I had a conversation about this, and I think it was actually in green room. So, shout out to our Green Room family. Y'all yes, know sir. who y'all are. Uh, Kendall, who is actually part of the, the network. Uh, Nico. Um, our guy, Nick Nick Reed. We ran into him. Uh, shout out to that guy. Um, yeah. Based out of Nashville. That's a good dude. Our, there's a guy by the name of Kez. Yeah. Awesome. Like that guy, Momo. What's up? So, and, uh, and and we gonna we gonna 
kind of get a little bit of, well, we're not going to get away from basketball because it actually was spurned by basketball. But uh, shouts out to our boy Keyshawn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is our, I'll put it this way. <laughs> Keyshawn is our boots on the ground guy. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he resides in the town, you know what I'm saying, Oakland. Shouts out to the Bay. You know how we do it. But our guy Keyshawn last night, um, we do a we do kind of a mental exercise probably about three or four times a week in the green room where we have drafts. Now, these drafts can be anywhere from best players under 25. We've had... By the way, Utah, you would have loved this. We had best all-white dress. <laughs> we did do that, yeah. We did have shots out to Salt Lake City. Yep. Uh, we've had, you know, we've done decade drafts. So, you know, 2010s, 2000s. We've done drafts on best guy to to uh, to not make an all-star team. Yep. We've done that. Last night we did a draft, and it was best draft for guys to what was it? It was uh, oh, this it was, was best rookies, rookies, best rookie. rookie. It was a rookie best, season. Yeah, best rookie seasons all time. Okay, now our drafts are hotly contested. We have a lot of testosterone in that room. <laughs> There's a lot of guys who are pounding the table for their roster once they put it together. There are a lot of guys in there who believe that they are soon to be GMs in the association. One of them in particular is Momo. Shouts out to Momo. That dude pounds the table like no other. So, last night, we do a draft, and uh, Kyler, do you have that available, or is that something that you can effort to get? Oh, the like the spreadsheet of the yeah. picks? Yeah, 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 I can send yeah. it to you real quick. Hold on. No, I have the spreadsheet. I'm just saying, is there a way that you can't pull it up and kind of do, do this all at the same time, or no? I can pull it up. Oh, yeah, 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 I got it up, I got it up. All right. So, <clears throat> I ended up with the first pick, um, not because... That I am the boss or the owner <laughs> of Question Point Pod Network. That was thrown out there. I had some slander thrown thrown my way. Okay, had some slander thrown this way. But yeah. everything's above board because KC handles all of the the you know the ping pong balls. You know he has a uh, he has an uh, accounting firm come in. You know, to make sure that everything's above board, yeah. even though yeah. my man's, you know, my man's integrity got questioned last night, and I was not, I was not. <laughs> but I digress because this is not about me. This is no, this is not about me. This is about one Keisha. So we in the draft. Everybody has their team. We pick eight. Right, we picked eight. We had a starting five and three off the bench. We had a guard, a wing, and a and a big. Right. Yep. 
Okay. So, could you uh, tell us Keyshawn's team? Right. Okay. So, at point guard, and based off rookie seasons, right, we are judging based off rookie season alone. So, his point guard is Steph Curry. He's got Ray Allen, Michael Jordan at the three. Michael Jeffrey Jordan to you, sir. Michael, Michael Jeffrey Jordan at the three. Amari Stoudemire and Joel Embiid in the starting lineup. And his bench is Pistol Pete Maravich, Chuck Person, and Patrick Ewing. Uh, KC, could you tell me how many people were in this draft? Yeah, there was a, a total of uh, six people, yeah. Okay, can you tell me where Keyshawn finished? Uh, in a, in a flaming hot number six. <laughs> like... <laughs> And when I say flaming hot, number six, ladies and gentlemen, this is where the story gets good. Keyshawn <laughs> was so hot about finish. Now, keep in mind, these are all-time rookie seasons. So you had names like Will Chamberlain. You had names like Shaquille Neal. You had other names like Magic Johnson. Larry Bird had great rookie season, what have you. You had um, you just, Elgin Baylor, Walt Bellamy. I mean, these were heavy hitters. And the person that was picking said it was razor thin close on all of these. Okay. Yeah. Keyshawn got so hot. And unfortunately, our guy Kendall, who you will hear on these airwaves tomorrow, decided to poke the bear. And it it sprouted the best hour-long rant that I have ever heard. In my entire life, <laughs> that was that was so good. The the toxicity in that in that chat room for an hour was just it was so good, man. That was oh man. <laughs> Shouts out to my boy Ash, who is the biggest heel in the in the, in the sports entertainment business. I'll put yeah. it that way. Ash, I'm coming for you. You will do that wrestling pod. You will do it. And and last night proved that he could do it, actually. <laughs> because he was the one who picked. He got none of the venom. All it was was Kendall saying, how come you always get, because quite as kept, we've been doing these drafts for a while now, uh, Kyler, like, how long has this actually been going? I know I came in a little bit late, but how long have the drafts been going on? Like, almost a month now, probably. I don't know when the first one was exactly, but it's been a pretty long time. Okay. Now, like I said, we do, like, three of these a week, okay, on average. Keyshawn has been either one or, like, two Pretty much every time, right? I mean, I'm not exaggerating when I say that, right? 
No, that might be a little bit. Uh, that might be a little bit wild. He's been on a losing streak lately, which is why he was so upset. The last no, no, like I'll four drafts, about, he's been getting. Sick. I'm talking about the actual draft order. Oh, you're talking about the draft order. Oh, yes. yeah, he gets number one or two in the draft order every time. Yeah. Okay, there's actual conspiracy theory to this. Like, like there are people who are who are launching investigations. Okay. <laughs> so Kendall, so Kendall says to him, "How come?" You get to pick first or second, and you always last. <laughs> Kyler, oh, talk, talk to well, we got to clean it up a little bit. Um, what, yeah, what were a couple of the memorable lines that were said by Keyshawn's Kendall? <laughs> Yeah, so there, there's two that come to mind, right? And this was at like 3.30 in the morning, so I was like about to go to sleep, and then this happened, and I started dying. So I was just out of it, right? The first one <laughs> was he was just trying to let him know that he is a, a far better drafter, and he just keeps yelling at Kendall Cohen, I'm him, <laughs> I'm him. <laughs> I'm that guy. I'm that guy, know. yeah. I'm him. And he's looking through Kendall's team and he looks at his power forward position and he goes, he goes, Larry Johnson. Who the fuck is Larry Johnson? <laughs> Nobody cares about Larry Johnson. Shouts out to Grandmama. Shouts out to John LV running Rebels back in the day. No slander, yeah. no slander on you, sir. Space Jam cast member. Yeah, Larry Johnson. Can't forget. OG Space Jam. But Keyshawn was not having it. <laughs> no, he was not. And when I say loud, I mean this dude was low. He this not legit heat, like yeah. legit heated. One of the other lines that that came out. One of the other gems, as we would call it, that were dropped. Keyshawn said. And I quote, when you go to bed, you're going to see me. <laughs> I forgot about that one. That's just so good. That's so good. He's hot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Keyshawn went nuclear. I mean, just... I mean the launch code, they we don't need those. He just hit yeah. he hit launch. No codes needed. <clears throat> we blasting off right now on the jump. And uh yeah, I the whole room was just I don't I don't think I've heard a collective laugh like that. Like a consensus collective laugh like that ever in that room. <laughs> and all Kendall kept saying was like you don't know how to draft <laughs> and he was pretty calm about it I mean there were a couple times where he got heated too but a lot of the heat a lot of the smoke was coming from Oakland yeah. from that guy <laughs> man we at 3.30 in the morning or whatever it was, we caught Green Room Magic. That was so good, oh, man. Oh, my God. That was so good. I swear to God, we would have, if we would have 
recorded that, some of that would have ended up in a drop on this podcast. I would have dropped oh, that. Oh, for sure, yeah. <laughs> I would have dropped it. The line about Larry Johnson, because it was so emphatic, and it, and it had like a like a a tinge of like desperation but frustration all <laughs> melted into one. Because he said it like uh, Jim Mora, the playoffs. So if you if yeah. you Jim Mora on his rant, now you take that up probably another 13, 14 notches. And that was Larry Johnson, and that was Kendall, that was that was Keyshawn on Kendall all for an hour. <sighs> that was that was so good, man. That was that was just the best. <laughs> it was classic, and I was so happy. I was so happy. Oh my god. So shout out to our guys in the green yes. room for sure. Absolutely. Um, we're going to get to one other thing and I want to get your opinion on it. <laughs> so, of course, of course, there are, I would say there were internal discussions also in the Bay Area. See how I'm kind of tying all these things? Yeah. Yep. You know, That's smooth. That's I'm, smooth. Yeah, I'm becoming very, very. Very media content savvy. Um, internal discussions are going on in Golden State to acquire one Damian Lillard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. um, I've talked to some people in and around that that team. I don't know what the package is. I'm trying to figure out how that will how that would look with Dame, Steph, Clay, Draymond. I would have to. Is there any way they could do that without giving up Wiseman? No, there's no shot they can right? deliver Wiseman. Right? So you couldn't package Wiggins seven fourteen. Who else do they have? I'm trying to think. Who else? Do they, I mean, Eric Pascal. I no, guess. No, 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 no. I'm trying to think of something about Wiggins. No shade on Eric Pascal. I like that too. Uh, Juan Toscano Anderson. They oh, have no, 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 no depth. Like. No, no. Listen, hey man, JTA, JTA. Shouts out to my boy, Juan Toscano Anderson. That's a real one, dog. You don't want. Hey, nope. No slander on on JTA. We don't want none no, no, of that yeah, yeah, noise. Yeah. I don't yeah, know if yeah. you ever had the privilege of of listening to that young man speak, but it's it's Keyshawn. <laughs> it's Keyshawn. Okay, he 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 keeps it super real. Um, but I was I was thinking about this, and I had talked to a couple of people who are um who are real tapped into that to that organization, and I said, is there any way? That they can do this without doing Wiseman, or is is Wiseman um, kind of like the the jewel of that particular transaction? The one response that I got that was somebody who's really tapped into them 
could it not be could it not be Wiseman? He said to me that um I think that normally Wiseman's part of that package, right? He's just part of it. Now, if Portland was trying to kind of do the, the rebuild on the go, maybe he's not. And maybe who would end up leaving is Clay. Interesting. Um, mm, I don't yeah, like well, that Clay's- deal, one. Yeah. Like, Clay, he's coming off an injury, first of all. Like, that, it doesn't make sense for Portland's timeline if they're trading Dame. Like, even if you gave up Clay coming off an injury, you'd have to throw in Wiseman, right? Just because what are their other assets as far as players go? I think they're like, really hot for the 7 14 deal. Right? Yeah. And, and if I'm not mistaken, what does Portland have? They have their pick as well. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's an all-in to move up to four or three. Because three is like the – three is kind of like the, the tipping point of the draft, right? Um, three is kind of where stuff starts because Cleveland seems to be real kind of not non-committal on three, unless somebody falls, okay? Um, I've heard that if they would be excited about Mowgli, okay? Not so much on Jalen Green. That's just the word that that's coming out, is that if you can guarantee me Mowgli falls to three, Oh, we stand at three. But if he doesn't, we could be out. Right. That's that is interesting. That is interesting. I still don't think they would move Lillard in that sort of deal just because like trading Lillard just to get a bunch of picks to move up to three doesn't make that much sense to me personally. But I don't know. Obviously, Golden State should try to pursue it. I think it's a great idea for them. I mean, I mean, like Oakland home. Yeah, I mean, like you can ask and do Lillard and Steph fit together, and like I don't care. There's going to be raining threes. I don't care. <laughs> but I don't. I don't know. I just can't really see that deal happening. To be honest, I I just think it's silly season. I think stuff. I think a lot of this stuff that is going on right now. I think there are. There are three teams in this draft that are looking to do something really big. Mm-hmm. Um, New Orleans, I think, is trying to do something. Okay. Um, one I have to sit on, so I'm going to sit on that one. I think the Magic want to do something. I do. And yeah, I can't talk about the other team, so I'm gonna leave that alone. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so I think there are. I think it's gonna be interesting draft, right? I think it's going to be a draft where 
when we're maybe a week out, I think all hell's going to break loose in this draft. I just like before they go. go to the draft, I think there's going to be rumors and there's going to be factual rumors. And there is just going to be absolute like space alien rumors where it's just like that has there's no reality in that whatsoever. Just zero reality. Um, I did hear I did hear something about um, who was it trying to move up to number one? It was like weird. It was um, was it? It was Orlando because everybody knows about that one. It, uh, who was it? I think it. I think um, OKC was also a normal one as well. But there was some weird thing about Toronto moving up to number one. And I was like... Oh, yeah, I heard about that. I was like, what do you have to offer to, <laughs> yeah. to, to get to number one? Because I like Fred Van Vliet. I do. I, I like him a lot. I don't think he... I don't think he and the number four overall pick gets you to number one. You know, um, I don't know if there's a if there's that hot of a market for Siakam, right? And if you're trading Kyle Lowry, you're definitely not trading him to like for the number one pick. That's a that's a pick where you're trading that asset for like maybe another pick or whatever, and then. You go from there. But I don't even think the teams that you would be dealing with, the pick would be tantalizing enough for Detroit to move on it. Because Kyle Lowry is going to like New York. He he's going to the Heat. If if somehow the Lakers want to get locked into some um you know real hard cap type situation, that might be something they look to do. All reports from this end is that they are desperately trying to stay out of hard cap unless it's somebody very special. So I don't know where that rumor fits at all. But when I heard it, it was, that's why I said silly season is here. We're going to have a bunch of stuff that happens. I do think there is a I think there is a shadow team that nobody's thinking about. Um that that will that will probably make a move they're probably going to wait till probably anywhere between 5 to well no not even 5 i would say 3 days 3 days into the before the draft there there'll be a team or two that might uh that might make a a, a significant offer or whatever but I'm still like efforting to get information on that. But I don't know. The Dame thing seems far fetched for Golden State, and a lot of these teams trying to move up seem far fetched as well. Because I just don't know if Kay Cunningham, like I don't know for Detroit, could they literally trade the rights to Kay Cunningham away? I just don't know if if that specific team could do it. 
Yeah, no, I don't see Detroit moving off that number one pick, to be honest. It's been so long since they've had it. I think they really believe in Cade Cunningham. I don't think that moves happen. So it is it is silly season. Silly season is upon us, and that is uh, one of the sillier things that I've heard in the draft cycle. And right. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you are into silly season, another good segue here. Tomorrow's podcast is for you. It is the second edition of the NBA Draft Preview Special where Kendall Hall, Nico Miatello, right now, breaking down film, getting it ready, so you guys will be ready and have really good information on these prospects leading into the draft. So look forward to that tomorrow as well. And I want to thank KC for coming on with me today. Spot duty, doing it real, real big. <laughs> so, absolutely, man. Yo, I do have one question. Will yeah. you be able to come on Friday? Because I'm going to then start my divisional breakdowns. I'm already in the lab looking at film on the AFC East. That's where I start. Mm. Do you think you can come on and give maybe a little fantasy perspective and also as a unapologetic New England Patriots fan, this this actually might pique your interest as well? If it's Patriots talk, I'm in. I'm there. Listen, he is in for the Patriots propaganda. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> in Bill, yeah. we trust the hoodie is gold. Or actually, the hoodie is money. Yeah. Hashtag eight rings. Do not forget the two as the defensive coordinator of the New York Giants because he doesn't. The hoodie knows all. And we will be bringing you that preview this Friday on Football Friday. So we're going to sign off momentarily. Listen, be good to yourself. Make sure you're taking care of yourself. Making sure you're getting the proper rest making sure the people around you are positive, okay? And then after that, appreciate those people around you so you can do all the things that you need to do and be as productive as you possibly can be. Show them some love and appreciation and give them your time. And once you've done that, you know, look after your neighbor. You know, a friendly wave, a smile, a hello. Let them bend your ear for a second. And then the last thing is this. There's a lot of people out here struggling. There's a lot of people out in this world that are disillusioned. And, um, you know, things happen. You know, I am a product of it. Uh, I fell to the the depths of society in the sense of I had to be at a at a rescue mission because of my uh, my demons. So I want to thank all the people, all the faceless, nameless people that donated to that mission to help me get to the point where I'm at today, where I can entertain you. So if you have time, please look into donating and volunteering some of your time to some of your worthwhile organizations in your uh, neck of the woods. Or if you do not have the time, if you are just incredibly blessed abundantly and you just can't get there, donate some money. 
donate some money to a worthwhile cause. It will do your heart a lot of good and you'll be helping a lot of people uh, either get back on their feet or whatever the case may be. So uh, I'm going to leave you guys with that. That's Hoop Questions Monday. We are set. KC, thank you again, my brother, for stepping on. Absolutely. And we are out. <laughs>